Everybody, welcome to episode. I, I don't even care anymore of reporting is eligible. I'm, I'm not keeping track anymore. It'll, it'll be up there when you see it. Um, a, a, anyway, um, <laughs> happy to be back and doing a, a show here. We thought we needed to talk a little bit of football just to uh, take our minds off everything else. So um, this should be a fun one. We have a, a good concept here. But before I get to it, um, joining us in in Kentucky is. This is J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on vacation in Kentucky. I don't, I don't know what month it is or day of the week. So why would, I, why would anyone know what episode of reporting yeah, is? It, none of it matters. Time is a flat none circle. Yeah. Um, and uh, as usual, from Colorado, his palatial estates. <laughs> My name is Matt. You can call me Matub. I am the meme smith for Acme Packing Company and general Twitter rabble rouser. Yeah, and as usual, just dawned on me. Oh. Sorry, it just dawned on me that we got three dudes, three parts of the country, none of which are Wisconsin. We should get Tex <laughs> Western on here to get, to get him. Uh, why? Do, how many different states can we represent on a podcast without having dudes actually in Wisconsin? Well, see, that's the thing the is you're in Kentucky, so uh, Dusty Evely, he's out because that's where he is. So you don't want two people no, in the same state. Kentucky. That's not, not good. Um, <laughs> uh, we get uh, Peter Bukowski, New York. That's New York, right. Yep, That's yep. right. East Coast. A lot of New Yorkers um, on the on the packing uh, company. Zach Zach Jacobson, my my former podcasting partner. He's in California. And uh, I think Alex um, Crawford, our newest that- members in Minnesota, with me, if memory serves. So. Um, yeah, we, we basically. Can't... Does anybody who write for your website live in the state of Wisconsin? I think it, it's Burke. I think that anybody else. Just Burke. It's just, literally it, it's Chris just Burke. Burke. It's okay. Just him. Uh, yeah, because Wendy's Colorado too. Okay, so, yep, that's just Burke. So yeah, we only have one Packer fan who lives in Wisconsin. <laughs> I used to be another one, but yeah, I moved. Um, as usual, I didn't introduce myself. Um, sticking with our running theme here, um, <laughs> uh, Paul Noonan, right for Acme Packing Company. I do the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast as well, the sister to this one. So uh, <laughs> for 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 our topic today, um, every 500 episodes of the baseball podcast, Effectively Wild, which is the best baseball podcast that doesn't feature anybody on this podcast. Um, they do a draft of what they love about baseball. That's Sam Miller, uh, Ben Lindbergh, and Meg Rowley. Um, they include the other former hosts of that podcast as well. I forget who they are off the top of my head right now. <laughs> but it's always a really fun one. It, it tends to dig up trivia, and it, more importantly, is a very positive one. Um, and uh, honestly, I've been on Milwaukee's tailgate, like, griping about either labor relations or plague for too many months now. So <laughs> we wanted to talk about what we actually like about football instead of what we hate about various sports that we cover, because that just sucks. So um, we're going to have a little draft, and we're going to go around, around the room um, saying things we actually enjoy about football, why we like them. Uh, we'll, we'll try and squeeze in three rounds here and um, kind of go from there to see where the discussion leads. So um, we uh, I actually haven't seen JRs yet, but I've seen previews of, of Matt. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll oh, before see. we start, can, can we get a drink check? Uh, yeah, I, I have a farm, uh, Liftbridge Farm Girl Saison, which is like my favorite Minnesota beer. So. Uh, Liftbridge is the name of one of my favorite beers from my favorite brewery. Oh. It's a brown ale from Keweenaw Brewing Company. Mm, ironic. I recommend it. Okay. I think JR's uh, just okay. got water, so. <laughs> got bourbon, baby. Oh, bourbon. Yeah. Out in I'm, Kentucky. You're... I am in Kentucky. Uh, Not yep. far from the bourbon trail at all where I am right now, so obviously that's nice. what I'm drinking. 
Very nice. So I just finished a fake microbrew from Miller Coors called Batch 19. <laughs> they Actually, fooled you. Surprisingly they good. They accomplished their goal. They did. They fooled me. And then uh, I just started a Mountain Time from New Belgium, which is an actual microbrew. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, Mountain Time, best time, baby. We, we flipped a coin backstage, and then we just decided that we would assign them instead <laughs> of going with that. So, uh, Matt, you're up first. You got the first pick, first round. So what's your first pick of what's Oh, your... so I... I Man, I did not. I did not decide this as first overall pick. Okay, um, my first overall. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Football is good. So, so you thought <laughs> that when you volunteered to go f- I thought, first, that you were going to go what? The no, first, I, in the second I, round. I thought I was. Yeah, I thought I was late first round. No, you're just going to pick overall. a late first round sleeper. Sorry. So it's first overall pick. Terrible record. Uh, the thing I love most. <laughs> thing I love most about football is the community. Um. Uh, I know it's 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 wholesome and it's kind of funny that like that's like, very. I sweet. saw a preview. of I saw a preview of Paul's things, and his are more on brand for me <laughs> than my <laughs> things are. Uh, oh, but like, like the automatic. Com- I mean, like how none of the fans are actually in Wisconsin talking about the Wisconsin. Exactly. Team. Is that what you're talking but, about? But what I mean is, is football is an automatic community, and it doesn't even matter if you are rivals because you both share this deep love for the same thing, and you have that camaraderie. Like, like two football fans are closer to each other. If they're rivals, then two people who don't have anything in common. No. And to me, that's that's a beautiful and loving thing about the game. Like the fact that also, I mean, community extends out beyond that. Like the people that I've met through blogging and through Twitter. It's like in you guys, like I wouldn't be here talking to you guys and we wouldn't have 20 hours of content that we've enjoyed the hell out of creating without football. That's all all very true. Paul, Paul, when you talk to Bears fans, do you tell them that you have a connection because you're fans of football? You and the Bears so, fans, you're actually like funny. closer as people. Bears fans that I have interacted <laughs> with in person, it's much more of a sibling rivalry than like, like Vikings fans are mean. I, I, I actually agree Bears with that. <laughs> they're, they're much nastier than Bear fans. And I've been to Soldier a couple times to see Bears games and uh, – like when I, I wear my gear there and I've heard horror stories a couple of times coming out of that place. But usually when I'm walking through parking lots, it's more people being like, you know, with, um, like kind of joyful, like jabbing at each other. And also like, hey, do you want to have a beer? Hey, what brings you down yes. here? That kind of thing. And I've run into that a lot at Lambeau, too, with away fans. I, I mean, I always treat fans nicely. But like I remember when I was at that terrible Giants negative 20 degree playoff game <laughs> and um, there were Giants fans there just to like see Lambeau and, be, and, and like, hey, isn't this awesome? And, and, you know, they were winning. So they had caused New Yorkers often kind of jerks. Um, but they were all like, no, this experience is great. We love being here, even though it's we, we got the cold experience. Like, yeah, it's great. Good cold experience. So so I, I do kind of get that. I, I would say it's not universal, but uh there's definitely petty squabbling as well. Like I, I just got off of a sure. day where I did a lot of petty squabbling because Aaron Nagler brought a bunch of idiots into my Twitter feed. But um, <laughs> other than the that, Nagler signal boost is undefeated, <laughs> undefeated. It, it really is the, the the greatest double-edged sword of Packer writing because uh, I'm getting a lot more views and I have to now deal with this mob of just complete weirdos. Bonte heads? Is that what we're talking about this week? <laughs> uh, yes, that is correct. Actually, you know what? Everybody was mad about how I portrayed Rodgers. It was all Rodgers yeah. fans. Because um, I was very positive oh, on Devante. Um, it was a pro Devante piece. It was uh, uh, not anti. So I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Quick plug. All wrote basically a long form frack me packing company about why Devante Adams is great and why the way Aaron Rodgers plays is not great for the way Devante Adams is great. Yeah. It's awesome. 
It's good. It's, good um, piece. It, it's a pretty good statistical breakdown of why that's the case. It deals very uh, in some detail with where Devante is good in the play and where Aaron's good in the play, and they don't really match up. Um, Devante is very good immediately off the line with going into like the first two and a half seconds of the play. And Aaron holds the ball forever and never throws the ball in that time frame. So it does not really mesh very well. If, uh, if Devante was on the Saints, he'd be Michael Thomas um, with slightly mm. worse hands. But um, <laughs> that, that, that's, that would be an ideal landing spot for him. He would, everybody would know him and he'd be phenomenal. Um, you know, on the, wow. on the community thing, one of my favorite stories um, that I, I think it was an outsider. I think it might've been Barnwell. Um, Remember that game a couple of years ago? Uh, it was the Steelers, Packers, and um, the Steelers walked it off on a touchdown pass in the right back corner to Mike Wallace, where he just barely got his toes down. I think they went 39-38. Packers lost. Um, uh, Bill Barnwell, I'm going to say it was him. It might not have been, but <laughs> was it a bar in Washington, D.C.? And half of it was Packer fans and half of it was Steelers fans. And uh, when the last play happened, you know, there was the, the complaint, the Packers going, oh, no, and the Steelers fans all cheering. And then they all did a, like a, a lineup like you do at the end of a, like a softball league or a hockey game and like high fived each other and said, good game. And then all went their separate ways, which is great. So it's awesome. really cool. Yeah. I think for me, the community part, it's sort of there's sort of a professional selfishness here. But I and maybe this is an absence of community more than I don't know how to define this, but I have learned to appreciate like sitting on the couch with my laptop being on Twitter during these games. I know the the idea of a football community is like tailgating with people or being in a bar with people. But for, for my job, I'm writing about sort of these things that are happening Side the you know not necessarily between the lines but what's going on in the broadcast what are people saying on social media what weird thing you know Zadarius Smith shows off a t-shirt uh, showing support for somebody who's battling breast cancer like it's my job then to write about that stuff and I get fired up to do that but also part of that is just being part of that online discourse over what's going on and I would say that online discourse in general is a concept that can be very dangerous and very toxic but during a game pretty it's just fun and funny like there's a lot of jokes and quips and some of some of the stuff that goes viral is just so not what you'd expect and uh i really enjoy experiencing the second screen and i'm sure i'm sure there are people who don't like that at all the second screen community has become something i i genuinely look forward to i almost enjoy watching the game on twitter with the tv off i mean i wouldn't do that but you really <laughs> get a whole sense of what's happening some of it just neurotic some of, i mean you never really know what the play is but you just get reaction to it there's a there's just ah, i just love it i just get so fired up for that stuff and and obviously i can tie that into what i do for a living but it's still uh you know there's this is a new way to experience football and i really i've really come to appreciate yeah, it i agree with that i think twitter makes sports like a thousand percent better it's the best thing twitter is like twitter's kind of bad at everything else it's really good yeah, i was gonna say tw- twitter makes literally everything but sports worse yeah um it, and it's it, it's good for other like kind of joint experiences but there's just not as many anymore as there used to be with you know so many people have their own little niche entertainment like I used to always mm-hmm. have just randomly wrestling Twitter enter my feed on Sunday evening, <laughs> and it's been far less frequent over the last six months. I feel like even that's kind of going away. So, um, well, have you have you seen any of the lockdown wrestling? I, I I don't really watch wrestling. I just appreciate their Twitter. Um, so they, I mean, they've been performing to empty stadiums. Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's weird and haunting. Yeah. 
<laughs> I guess that would make it kind of unpleasant. A wrestling being as theatrical as any sport, it sort of defeats the. I mean, I feel like it's almost a theater show, yeah, half theater, is. half sports. Yeah, they should probably do some need the audience. Like, yeah, lean into the movie style a little bit more or something like that. that... Quick, quick aside: if you guys have never seen the YouTube short film "Wrestling Isn't Wrestling," highly recommend that. I have seen that quite right. a while ago. It's good. <laughs> yeah, Jr. Highly recommend it. It's explains why wrestling is actually just a soap opera. All right, really good. Well, that is it. You don't need to convince me, but yep. oh yes, community. That's that's fine. Good good first pick. Uh, right. This printer has word to life behind me, and I don't even know why. Oh no! Can I push the button. <laughs> I can hear random juice juice. Kind of panicking. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it's coming from. Somebody, I'm in the computer room. Somebody's... No one is on the computer. This... Somebody sending Jared. This is gonna be like facts. a scene. Um, yeah, that's. I was gonna say, is this gonna be like Back to the Future? He's gonna get a fax that says you're fired. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, All right, so it's my turn up in the draft, right? I get to pick second. All right. Well, there's no secret what I'm gonna do here, but I'm going to draft fat people with the football in their hands. Ah, that's a good uh, one. Everybody loves uh, that. Like, I, I mean, this is. This is not my brand specifically, but like people, people know this is my thing. As as a representative of the class of human that is, you know, larger, uh, I appreciate <laughs> it that there are there's a play. I don't think there's a team sport where different types of athletes, you know, are are, are able to to contribute more than football. Like wrestling, obviously, with things with weight classes, you get different body types and different sizes. But obviously, everyone in the NFL is a supreme athlete, but Know, the fact that offensive linemen that really just big dudes have a, have a role and a serious role at that and then those rare opportunities where those guys get the football i think the bj raji play might wind up being a moment my number one packers moment as a fan i, I don't think anything is going to top that i mean imagine knowing that your team is going to go to the super bowl because a, a fat guy dropped into coverage picked <laughs> off the ball and pick sixed it like that is unforgettable it's, for me so it's such uh, a good play all all around um I agree. They're they're always such good moments. They make for such good highlights. Uh, everybody's so happy when they happen. Uh, I mean, I, it's pure joy. That pure, pure, joy. pure joy from BJ Raji on that play. Um, uh, do, do we do we trace back a fat guy football plays popularity in the mainstream back to the replacements? Because so, me as a football fan, I was not aware of fat guy plays until John Madden brought it up in the movie The Replacements. Um, uh, I I personally don't know enough about the replacements. Other than <laughs> is that Falco? Is that Keanu yes, Reeves? That is Shane the, Falco. Yeah. At Washington Sentinels. That's all I got from yes. that movie. I've so, seen it, but mm. so there's a there's a fumble and his center gets it and takes it in and scores. And his center is a sumo wrestler. Oh yeah. And John Madden. John Madden goes on a rant about why fat guy touchdowns are the best. Um. And th- to me, that that was my first like ex like exposure to it yeah i think it might be um i feel like it really picked up after that it, it wasn't really a, a highlight like espn thing until after that that i can think of i also i think it also should it has to be a defensive score when it's a fat guy touchdown or at least a fumble recovery like giving it to walter payton in this or not walter payton giving it to the fridge in the super bowl not as good fridge yeah yeah fridge one year touchdown not as good um much worse That's- also uh do you think that Walter Payton ever forgave Mike Dicka for not giving him a touchdown in the Super Bowl? I hope not. That was just evil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! One of my 
biggest regrets in Packers fandom is when Aaron Rodgers threw that ball to Julius Peppers and it didn't work out. Yeah. I know everybody was down on that play. I'm like, that play would have made the season. Man. It would have. So Pe- Peppers, awesome. the, the thing that's funny about that is Peppers ran a better route than Rodgers expected. He did. So his pass was, his pass was behind him yeah. because he was further into his route than Rodgers thought. Yeah, so quick story about that play. That was actually almost our logo um, because Julius Peppers was, he reported as eligible on that play. So we like freeze-framed it with him, like with a pass coming at him. We I bet we all watched it like 50 times. And uh, he just smoked this guy off the line. He was wide open. <laughs> and bad job by Aaron. He ran, he ran a Vontae level slant. Yeah. <laughs> like, really unfortunate. Shook. You know, the so, other good thing about fat guy touchdowns um, is um, fat guys almost scoring touchdowns, getting caught from behind by small guys. Like, <laughs> yes. like, like Steve Tasker or Don Beebe. Um, I was just going to say Steve Tasker, yeah. right? The, also very exciting because oh, you never know if they're then, quite going to make it. There's lots of guys, you know, that they don't have good ball security. <laughs> they're, they're, they're slower than everybody. So there's lots of danger for them uh, uh, on the way. So they're very exciting too. Uh, like, until the very last minute they get over the line. Yeah, on a normal interception to pick six, Al Harris, like he's gone. Like you, you just know that it's over. Yeah, great play. Yes. But um, the whole play of the fat guy touchdown is exciting until the very last second. It's like the triple, uh, the That's baseball right. triple. You it know? is exactly so like develop, the triple. But... There's like there's like four a year. Uh, it lasts for a long time. <laughs> it's not worth more than anything else, but it's still very exciting. Right, totally. Also, the the fat guy touchdown. I love when guys are very aware of their speed. So then they do the double handed ball security where they carry the ball in their chest with both yep. arms. <laughs> um, shout outs to the Piesman Trophy, a creation from SB Nation that tracks the best fat guy plays in college football for the year. <laughs> if you guys are not, incredible. if you guys are not following the Piesman Trophy on Twitter, you are missing out. I am missing out. I have to do that. I'm going to go follow them right now. <laughs> I am on yeah. Twitter. So every every year they they compile every every big man play, and then fans vote, and the mm-hmm. Piesman Trophy is given out to the most athletic big man play of the year. All right, nice. I literally just started following <laughs> it. That's incredible. That is great. All right, All right third pick overall. Third pick overall. Um, so I am going to pick. One of my favorite things, which is um, guy quarterbacks with 80 level arms on the 2080 scale, strong arm quarterbacks, but who aren't any good. Uh, I love those guys. Um, they tend to be drafted highly because arms overrated. Uh, they're fun to watch because they throw the ball really hard. Um, they were always fun to watch in the 80s quarterback challenge when they had the distance throw contest and Jay Schrader would always win it and Jay Schrader sucked. Um but uh, I, I love how I love how people talk about them and, and talk about how if they could just develop a little poise, they'd be good. Um, it uh, they, they just make me ha- the, the, watching the skill is super fun, um, but it's very overrated for quarterbacking. So I, I love watching Josh Allen, who I think probably is the strongest arm in the NFL right now. No, but he's terrible. Well, um, I mean, I, I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't exactly have a rocket arm compared to Josh Allen. Uh, Rodgers, I think, has like you want to remember that like, like that that. No, do you remember that like epic burn that that went through NFL Twitter when Josh Allen was about to be drafted? Nope. They were like someone said that that Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre didn't exactly have rocket arms. Oh, I do remember that. Wasn't it? Wasn't it, like, Kean? <laughs> it was probably Kean because he's stupid. I can't. I can't remember who it was. Now Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre didn't exactly have rocket arms, so his mentions yeah. were just full for weeks of the miracle in Motown and then like receivers talking about how their hands were screwed up because Favre broke their fingers in practice. Yeah. 
and it, it was it was beautiful. The other thing I like about it is so I, I actually think having a super strong arm actively works against people in the NFL. I feel like usually those guys f- fail. Um, like even the ones who are successful are only mildly successful. I think Cam Newton, I would say, is an eighty arm, and you know he was good for a while, but mostly because he could run. His passing has never been that good. Um, I, the other good thing about this is the Packers, I think, have one of the only and certainly the best um, strong arm quarterback ever with Favre. So that's also really fun. Um, the only one, other one, I, think I, you- I honestly, I truly, I was gonna say, I truly cannot think of a of a strong arm quarterback who is half as successful as Favre. No, it's tough. Um, they're they're almost all bad. Like Jeff George, Kyle Bowler, famous for yep. throwing a ball from his knees through the goalpost. That's the other good thing about this, by the <laughs> way, is there's always stories like that. Like he threw it like a hundred yards from his knees, one corner to the other. Like who cares? Um, Michael Vick, I think, had an eighty arm, and again, a, a, not a terrible quarterback, but mostly because his mobility was good. Um, and, and they all have like like tall tales about how good their arms were. Um, for a while, yeah. the, the NFL brought in that conversion to baseball mile per hour stat which was insane and made no <laughs> sense um it, it, just for people who missed this because it only lasted a year i think it was just monday night football would take hard football throws and say that's the equivalent of a 95 mile hour fastball and, and it looked all scientific but never explained their methodology <laughs> or how fast i it think was they were doing traveling <laughs> I was going to say, I think they were doing force production. I think they were doing force so production, like, too. That's all I could figure out is that they were doing, like, force equals mass times acceleration and, and adding the, making the mass of the baseball and football distinction there, which yeah. is, by the way, an insane thing to do. It makes no sense at all because it doesn't alter so the speed. So to bring it back, bring it back to baseball, uh, I once read that, that Brett Favre had a 90-mile-an-hour fastball while playing third base. So I never heard that, but no, it makes sense to me. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he could. So throw yeah, he, very he hard. played third base. Yeah, so he played third base, but could throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. So what if he your... could throw it to first base? I'm guessing not as much. <laughs> probably got caught by he the second probably, baseman about one. He could probably like. I was going to say three out of five times he could hit first base <laughs> between the eyes. So that brings me to why I don't like these quarterbacks that are that are workout wonders or have these incredible attributes. It, it it is it is probably the most egregious example of this thing that we convince we convince ourselves that there is perfect science in projecting who's going to be good in the NFL, and and we do this every year with the draft. And it it, it no matter what happens, it just it just never works out that way. And the, I, I know like it's also kind of funny to watch the hand wringing over draft classes yep. and and up and coming prospects. Mm-hmm. It is funny, of course it is, but it is so frustrating because we go through this same song and dance every single year. You know, you think who are the four best quarterbacks in the NFL right now off the top of your head? Now, I, I just ran this exercise with myself. I didn't say Patrick Mahomes, which was stupid. Oh, I couldn't. Yes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, is, he's not a number one overall pick though. I mean, the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky over him, so yep. like in exact science i think of drew Brees, who's too small russell wilson who's too small aaron Rodgers, who plummeted dramatically and was a was a juco guy and uh tom brady who was in a timeshare at michigan like there's such an inexact science around quarterbacks i think like you said we, we maybe underestimate how having those rocket arms by the way timeshare timeshare at michigan with a guy with a rocket arm who wasn't nearly yes. as good that was drew henson right he did did play baseball though baseball he did key. but he was well that's the thing is he threatened he said that if, if you don't start me over Tom Brady, I'm quitting and I'm going to only play baseball. Yep. So he, he pulled a John Elway in college. <laughs> John Elway, another bad quarterback with a rocket arm. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. 
spicy. Okay, so I guess I, um, actually, I have a very fond memory from from early Madden this year. Uh, Four Verts on Twitter, Charles. He posted a Madden highlight where he threw. It was like a two yard out into the end zone, and his his wide receiver doinked it right off his face mask. And I was like, yeah, it's because you threw a bullet pass instead of a touch pass, Jeff George. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> Jeff George had no touch. Uh, uh, one of my, one of the reasons I also do like this is I remember when Jeff George was in his either rookie or second year, and I was watching a uh, Sunday night football game because Joe Theismann was calling it, and Theismann just couldn't stop himself the whole game from saying, well, now they can uh, – where, where did he land? The Jets? Is that where Jeff George started? No, uh, the Colts. 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 Uh, Colts. Like now, the Colts would be good because they have somebody who could throw deep outs. And Jeff George like twenty deep outs and completed like twelve of them. Um, <laughs> and, and and like the, the receivers were helping him out a lot. And Thais was like, "These deep outs are going to help them. Deep outs are the key to being a good quarterback, especially for a strong like." Okay, I don't know why this is wrong, but Joe Theismann's very confident in it, so it's definitely I, wrong. By the end of the game, I he bet was, if we went back. If we went back and looked, I would bet you that Joe Theismann like never threw a deep out in his whole career and just wishes that he could have. It's probably true. <laughs> ah, anyway, um, also based on based on when Jeff George was drafted, and you're saying Joe Theismann was calling the game. Yeah. Did he just like retire into the booth after he broke his leg? Like they put him on a stretcher and just took him to the booth? I'm not that old. No. <laughs> um, no. What I'm saying is because because George was drafted, like. Late was it really early nineties? Th- it was either like really late eighties or really early nineties. Sure, right. And, and, and Theismann, Theismann busted right. his leg in like eighty six. It was earlier than I'm just that, saying, like, wasn't it? I swear to God, it was eighty six. I could be wrong because yeah. I wasn't born yet. But I think. <laughs> well, in any case, he was definitely uh, calling games because Joe Theismann sticks out like a sore thumb. He's the Joe Morgan of football commentators. I don't know who Joe I'm a year off on Jeff George. First 90, overall okay. pick in 1990. Yep. One of the best arms ever. And the Colts had a lot of top picks. <laughs> they dominated top picks for a while. Oh. 85. Such a bad team. Uh, Theismann broke his leg in 85. 85, okay. It was close. Yeah, you were close. It was, was off close. by one season. That's not bad. I mean, Matab, if it makes you better, I, I vaguely remember Jeff George playing football. Only vaguely. So, I, you know. He had his best. Well, is the you know the elder statesman of this yeah. podcast. He had his it's best funny, season so for the Vikings. Wife's... His only good season, really. <laughs> my wife's family is all from Indiana, and I mentioned like so when we were talking about our show notes, I was going over your picks with her, and I was like, yeah, you know, like Jeff George. Well, like your family's all Colts fans. They probably like cursed the name of Jeff George to the heavens. She's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot. Who cares? We got Peyton Manning. Um, last thing I'll say is I have not been able to find this online, but the quarterback challenge which used to be before the Pro Bowl, um, for, it still, I guess still is, the Skills Challenge, used to have a long-distance throwing contest in it that was the highlight of the whole thing. I can't find any of them online, but if you do, you should go watch them because Jay Schrader throws the ball 92 yards in the air in it, and I think Randall Cunningham does like 91, um, and it's pretty impressive to watch. So um, if you can track them down, go ahead and do it and find it. But uh, we can move on to round two, so back to, back to hey, my what? tub. I'm, I'm going to pull the Vikings here. And I'm not going to turn in my card. What? So, JR, you're up next. We're doing snake drafting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're snake drafting, I thought. Uh, I, I get it. I get the, the, the draft reference now. Sorry, I missed that the first time around. Thank you. Love it. I Thank love you. it. Anything we can do to make fun of the Vikings is cool. 
Uh, so the second, so with my second pick, again, I'm just going to do self-serving stuff, stuff that I write about. Well, yeah. Uh, NFL tiebreakers are awesome. And it, I, I, <laughs> I agree. Is, first of all, are you talking about like more, more points, more points, 99? Uh, yes. More points. 99 is the greatest moment in tiebreaker history. Absolutely. But, <laughs> it's page view gold to write about them because it's it's this weird like they're not actually that complicated they're easy for any joe schmo to follow but it requires you to actually do some digging into like just the standings to really get a sense of like needs to do what or whatever so every year i write about them like with four weeks to go and every year because the packers are inevitably on the cusp of something yeah. either making the playoffs or you know getting a top seed or whatever so it always brings in people. It was one of the first major articles I wrote before I took the job I have now was just a column I wrote looking at the tiebreakers with four weeks to go. And the, the Packers were on the outside looking in, but there were a lot of scenarios. And man, it's so it's so fun. It's really easy to make a mistake. It's really confusing. I continue to go back to the well to remind people that Deshaun Jackson's touchdown in 2010 did, did not, not end up mattering. The Packers would have made the playoffs, would have played the Giants instead of the Eagles in the first round, but everything else would have been the same. Step off that now and digress slightly, but uh, <laughs> but I just love I love bathing in the tiebreaker scenarios and more points 99, which could not happen again because the tiebreakers were slightly different then. That's the other it's, thing. You have to learn new ones whenever they change them. And uh, it's good that we don't have to praise Deshaun Jackson because that would be awkward. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> not the time. Sorry. Not the time to talk about Deshaun Jackson. In the back of my head, I'm going over like things that would change if the Packers had played the Giants instead of the Eagles. <laughs> they probably would have lost. They probably would have right? lost because immediately, yeah. yes, immediately what pops into my head is the Lil Wayne song "Green and Yellow." Oh jeez! Um, near the end of the song, he says, "We knock the Eagles and the Falcons and the Bears off. Now we about to cut Troy Polamalu hair off." Um, all you have to do is change Eagles for Giants, and it's the same syllables. Like it, it, it totally works. Okay. So like. Yeah, no difference. He preserved all Little Wayne references in, in the alternate universes. I mean, the Packers okay, so, were, were so the I, team of destiny. So I had to make a meme reference, which also means that we have to reference Andy Schaff. Oh, yeah, Schaff. I suppose so. So there you go. That's it. So okay. I referenced the meme of a song. And Andy. Um, we talked about baseball. Shout out, we did. Shout out to Andy Schaff. I, I appreciate the work you do looking those up because I hate parsing tiebreakers, and I would much rather just go read somebody. <laughs> And I can always just go there, so that's fine. And they do they change a lot. Like they, I feel like they change the the tiebreakers like once every three years or so. I have to learn something new. And I was I, I remember being mad when they got rid of the the more points ninety nine tiebreakers and and seeing it could never happen again. That's annoying. That was so fun. And they should not only not have gotten rid of it, they should have moved it up the hierarchy so it happens more frequently. Um, <laughs> It's really also very easy still as easy as it is you can get it wrong and and I had I kind of had a little head to head with Dave uh Dave Schrader who whom I, is awesome and went to Valparaiso like I did so shout out to him. <laughs> uh he's in the uh Green Bay market late last year he was re- telling people how a game late in the year did not matter for the Packers and it didn't matter that much but it did matter a little bit and he had kind of missed the part where it did and like even people who are in the media who follow it closely, you know, they tend to get it wrong. I find myself mm-hmm. double checking, triple checking. I publish stuff and it's like, I got to go back and double check. <laughs> absolutely sure that what I've just told people is right. Yep. No, again, like it's not hard. It's just, just, you know, you got you to dig. You got to make sure you're not missing out. I mean, missing any scenario or any nuance or whatever. It's not hard, but it's tedious. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> 
All right. That, that's, that is a good one. I, I, I really, I like that one a lot. So we're, we're all in stark agreement that more points. 99 is one of the greatest football moments ever. Yes. I would hope that people know what we're talking about. I'm guessing they don't. When when Paul brought this up earlier this year, I had forgotten all about it. Uh, but people should just honestly Google more points 99, the end of the 99 football season. Yep. The Packers and Panthers were engaged in this wild scoring spree. Whoever scored more, you know, basically so it was, one team was trying to score more points was, than the other. Was it uh, Panthers, Saints, Cardinals? Panthers, Saints, Packers, Packers, Cardinals. Cardinals correct. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and the... Okay, oh we've talked about it before. If you're a Patreon subscriber, I actually did a whole mini pod on it. You can go find that out on the Patreon site. Um, and JR wrote about it in some depth a few months after that. I think on the last day of the season, probably. Um, but uh, uh, yes, very timely. Yes, it, it it it's a rare feat where instead of trying to win, they're trying to win by as much as possible. It's fantastic. Mike Ditka's involved. Um, he almost screwed it up for the Packers as the Saints head coach. Uh, there's a bunch of guys who'd be like, "Oh my goodness, that guy!" And a bunch of Packers who are on all those teams. It, it's it's just phenomenal. Oh, ba- Basil Mitchell. Basil Mitchell, one of the most important people. Incredible. Honestly. Love Basil Mitchell. Just incredible. And yeah. it ended up being completely moot. None of those teams ended up going to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. da- Dallas knocked the everybody off later. To. It got trumped by a Dallas win later. What, a, what Too bad. But it was still a really yeah. fun moment in time. That's why no one remembers it because they didn't end up going to the playoffs yeah. for it. So but, also, but, nowadays with, with cell phones not being allowed on the on the sideline, would, would someone in the booth be like that radioing down? Like I think someone in the booth was radioing down, yeah. That's how that worked. <laughs> I mean, there were there were very limited cell phones in 1999, so right, I'm yeah. guessing guessing they had uh, some some people, some scouts watching it. Or I, I have no idea, but it was what a what a trip. Like you said, Ditka was trying to help the Packers and goes for this ridiculous onside kick and winds up almost crushing. I think did they return that kick? Or like recovered like it way 35 up thirty five yard line. Yeah, they were in yeah. scoring position and had a few shots at the end zone. <laughs> ridiculous. No. All right. Four points ninety nine. You just gotta. You just gotta Google it. You just gotta experience. Go Google it. Find, <laughs> yeah, so, the, find the NFL prime time on it. That's the best part. With the, the first pick in the second round, Jr. picks more points ninety nine. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's, fine. That's a perfectly good pick. All right, Matt, are you hustling up to the podium, or am I going? Uh, yes, I, I will hustle up to the podium. So, okay. um, with my second pick, technically the first pick in the second round, um, <laughs> something I absolutely love about football is heartbreak. Um. John Elway and his stupid Elway copter and his stupid horse face taught me at a very young age that I had the ability to care about something bigger than myself. Um, and watching the Packers lose the Super Bowl taught me how much I could care about something. And the heartbreak really showed my emotional attachment to the game and to the team and, and to just the sport in general. And I honestly think that without knowing... Without knowing that pain, I wouldn't understand how important the game was to me. But also, it it helped me grow emotionally very quickly. When the Packers lost in '98, I was nine years old. So, like, I, I learned a very adult lesson as a very young child. And football has continued to raise my hopes just to ash and crush them into dust. But it makes me a better person outside of the game. If I can handle that kind of stuff, I can handle, you know, everyday problems like, oh, they screwed up my coffee order or whatever. So like, football <laughs> has helped me grow as, grow as a person because of the heartbreak. All right. Because Jeff Janis makes an awesome play over Pat Peterson only for 
Clay Matthews to forget to cover uh, what's his face? University of Phoenix. Thank you. Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> um, I would say personally that heartbreak makes me a much worse person. <laughs> I'm trying to be on the bright side. Say I'm trying to be on the bright the side. 2015 NFC Championship game makes me anything resembling a better In, person. I, anyone time brings it up, I'm I'm a much worse person. Yeah, I truly do. There, the end of the 2015 season is just a, I don't remember that at all. So I'm, well, I'm, I remember. I think I, I'm a uh, good sports fan. Is not the right word, but. Um, a very utilitarian sports fan and that I get joy out of wins but don't really suffer for losses. Uh, I'm over losses in like 20 minutes. And so I don't really experience super bad heartbreak on any of this stuff. So uh, um, I I, uh, I don't know that I can really relate Wait, that much. Like, I'm, You're a human spreadsheet. I guess, <laughs> I guess yes, that. Uh, uh, guilt, guilty as charged on that. But I do like wins. Like I, I'm, I do enjoy the winning part. But like when the Bostic thing happened, I was... That one maybe took me like forty-five minutes, and I am never going back to John Judge's house again. But uh, other other than other than that, um, I like I, I'm over it. I could talk about it. I, it doesn't bother me that much. It's annoying that they could have made a Super Bowl, but like I don't know. I I don't really trudge around all day being mad about sports ever. So um, can't can't really. Do that but that's much. the thing is I I don't I'm I'm not saying I I like dwell on these these things but what i'm saying is it, it taught me emotional lessons at a young age that yeah. i i got in a relatively safe manner i guess when i was nine the packers like, lost every week like, so i maybe just got used to it <laughs> <laughs> so matub i was going to ask you about that do you remember the super bowl the year before do you not have crystal yes, clear i do um so i 100 percent remember uh super bowl in 97 because my parents let me stay up and watch it um, cause I was still East coast time at the time oh, and yeah. we got little, C- we got little Caesars pizza and, uh, Brett Favre checking to, um, the go route for Andre Rison and so throwing good. a touchdown and leaving the field with his helmet in the air is the moment that I loved football. Like I, yes. I liked football before that I played football as in pop Warner. I considered myself a Packer fan. That's the moment I loved football. Like I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting misty just talking about remembering <laughs> that that moment of just pure unadulterated joy, and the lows help you appreciate the highs. You, you don't feel the the love and appreciation for something like that without feeling the hurt. At least I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. I was 15, I think, when the Packers won that first Super Bowl, and I. No, I, I, there's been some conversation about that. Like, what's what's the bigger heartbreak? I think early in COVID, uh, that was one of the the talk radio topics for a while. And I've never understood why that Super Bowl, the the one that the Packers lost, was that that much of a sting for people. Because for me, uh, I had seen I, I did not suffer through much of the Packers being really bad. So I just saw them kind of get progressively better. They win a Super Bowl, yay! They're on top of the world, and yeah, then they go back to the Super Bowl, which to me was awesome. Good, lost, yeah. but it's like, whatever, whatever. We got ours the year before. And at that time, naive as it was or whatever, like even even if you can intellectually say, you don't know if they're going to be back every year, you're still saying in your heart, well, they're going to they're gonna go yeah, back. Yeah, you know, far, gonna... They'll be fine. They'll be back a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. So so that one never really stung for me. And I, I, I'm comparing it to others like the 2015 one. Yeah, uh, the, that, that game will never leave me. But uh, <laughs> but I, I do agree, you know. 
when the Brewers, for example, win a World Series, it will be so much more meaningful because I have endured my lifetime of Brewers watching. So uh, I can appreciate what you're saying. I like, I like, but hey, it goes back to community. We we share this <laughs> this love of this. <laughs> yes, it all goes back to community. Yes. All right. Okay, Paul. What last, you got? Last pick of the second round. Um, so one thing I really like is the weird esoteric rules of football. And my favorite thing is the rules around the goal line. Um, I, I also like similar things in baseball, by the way, like drop third strikes, but I really like how the goal line is like magic. And I really enjoy when we have the inevitable complaints every year about people fumbling through the end zone and it resulting in a turnover. Um, so I, I, I love that. I love that people complain about it. Uh, and, and complain in a way that it's like, well, if they'd fumbled one inch shorter, it wouldn't have been a turnover. It would be out at the one-yard line, and they would have an almost sure touchdown. And that's true. But um, the way that the, the end zone rule works is to be consistent across plays. And it's the same reason that it's a touchback on kickoffs, which is a free kick. If it goes into the end zone, it is a touchback because it went through the end zone. Just like in a, free, in a normal play, if a fumble goes through the end zone, it's a touchback. Same rule. And people will say, well, it, what if it goes out of bounds? Not the same. Kickoffs. Nope. That's a procedure penalty on a kickoff. So um, <laughs> if it goes out of bounds, it's just not, such a nerd. It's not allowed. So it is still consistent. And I think that's how it should be because the end, end zone is a big deal. If you're going into score there, you should take care of the ball. And you should be penalized heavily if you give it up that close to scoring. Uh, I, I like it morally. I like it how it works structurally in terms of being consistent across the game. Like I'm very pro all the weird goal line rules. They're they're all great. They should never change what's them. Your, what's your opinion? What's your opinion on the illegal bat in the end zone? Batting it like uh, what do you mean? Example. So if if the if the offense if the offense fumbles into the end zone, and a defender purposely hits the ball out of bounds. In order to cause it to be a fumble out of the end zone, yep. it's an illegal bat. That's fine. That's and like a procedure is, penalty. Is, I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah. The Lions got screwed over by it a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think it was the Seahawks did an illegal bat and the Fs didn't catch it. And like on replay, it was very obvious. It was like the Bennett brother, he was yeah. like, bunk. <laughs> it, it, that's a clear rule. You know, you're not supposed to do it. And if it looks bad on tape, that's fine. So um, I'm totally on board. And I also like just the, the reverence we give to the, the plane of the goal line and that, you know, it, it's, it is that like extends. That, that it extends across out of bounds. It is like a three dimensional thing. And I like it even better in reverse when the safety comes into play. And the rule is you have to get it all the way past the line. Like no part of the ball can be if, touching it. If two molecules are on yeah. the goal line. It is <laughs> So uh, all of that is excellent. I, I, I love everything about it. I love how scientific it is in, in the game of hitting people in the head as hard as you can. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it just makes me happy whenever there's a goal line play. And, and they, you know, the only thing that makes me mad about it is when they don't have a camera going right down the goal line. Because why don't you have a camera going right down the goal line? It, it happens oh, like every game. Bill Bel- Was it Bill Belichick who... Uh, tried to institute the pylon cam. Probably has pylon cam. Yeah, there's probably one in there on the Patriots. <laughs> there's probably cameras yeah, so all the over the damn place. Only, I think it's only. Is it only CBS who does the pylon cam? Uh, I believe so. Someone like where the orange thing has cameras in it. Yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick tried to make that league wide, like a like a mandatory thing. I can't believe that that's not a mandatory thing. How hard is it to put a freaking Wi-Fi GoPro? into one of those stupid orange things 
I love Paul that you have you have boiled it down to morality, uh, and I, it makes perfect sense <laughs> to me. I love that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna opine this before I have to get out of here. But uh, okay. I, as somebody who's covered a lot of high school football, I am frustrated by the esoteric, you know, sort of minutia of the rule book, yep. and it's different on every level. High school, college, and pros, and people who watch pro football think that those rules apply to the high school game frequently and correctly, and so that's. You could call it funny. I kind of just call it annoying. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> uncatchable hey, hey thing isn't a thing at the lower levels of football, you know, on pass interference. So it, it, tune, tune into uh, reporting is eligible where we say things like esoteric minutia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole reporting as eligible concept. To ruin, also to, great. To, also phenomenal. The bag on the name of our podcast is insane to me. <laughs> and I mean, I'm somebody who's seen a lot of football. I didn't grow up playing like video games a lot. Madden, much to Matub's chagrin. So sure. I, I don't have that base. And there are still things about this game that completely confound me. Most of it is like deep, dark, dank parts of the rule book where who, how many guys are on the line and motion penalties and things like that. But the fact is, it's not accessible for a lot of fans you know and it's cool for the people who understand it who can read that text you know like that's awesome we've got a leg up but the people who can't and myself included like some of this stuff just goes over my head and i'm just like okay i guess that's illegal because the tv guy told me it was illegal it's a little frustrating <laughs> yeah it is I, I i will admit i don't understand the the covering up the tight end rules or uh seven men on last year <laughs> like uh, I, they're fine but i don't know the reason i'm sure there's a perfectly okay. good reason for them but so, Jr. Before you go, I really, I really wanted to tell you this story with both of you guys present. Okay. I was in a Zoom room meeting with Jason Witten. Oh yeah. Recently. Okay. Uh, true story. And uh, Jason, I work for a company that signed Jason Witten as a spokesperson. <laughs> and uh, so we were in a like team meeting, rah rah, let's go company with Jason Witten, and we had to text in our. Uh, questions to someone in HR who would then unmute individual places for Zoom. <laughs> I, I need to keep a leash on you. Yeah, myself. So uh, I, I sent in a couple serious questions and like we were going to be up next and they were going to let me ask my serious question. Then I was going to ask if he thought that Des caught it. <laughs> but uh, my supervisor asked if um, when the Raiders come to play the Broncos if he was going to come visit our plant. And HR did not like that question, and they cut us off. So I did not get to ask Jason Witten if he thought that Des caught it. Now, how I was going to trick him into being able to ask him a question was my question was, how do you think that the tight end position is going to evolve moving forward? Do you think that possession and inline blocker guys such as yourself are going to still have a place in the game, or is it going to be the hyper-athletic Eric Ebron? style that was like basically what my question was okay trying to become best friends with jason uh, um then i was going to transition to oh yeah but did you think that's and it. then they wouldn't let us they wouldn't unmute us i was so <laughs> so sad so there you go. i don't understand why are you going to come visit our plant was a problem yeah, that seems oh fine. because um the the plant is kind of shoehorned into a hundred year old building it's not exactly an attractive place to be Oh, so they actually um, didn't want him to come see your plant. It did not want him your to plant come. No. Is ugly. Oh, yes. Okay, got it. That's bizarre. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jeff. If you, you got to get out, it's okay. It's 
wanted to share that. I gotta go. I gotta go. That's but, okay. Uh, we'll take it been, home. It's been fun, guys. Yeah. I look forward to football. Before you go, give us your last pick, so then that way we can discuss <laughs> it when you leave. My last pick is Aaron Rodgers. Ah. Ah. Good pick. All right. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of dumb, strong arm quarterbacks. <laughs> See, you See you guys. See you guys later. Have a good one. It's, I mean, how can you not like Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I had, Aaron I had Rodgers. Uh, 100 people tell me that, uh, how I didn't yesterday. So, <laughs> Okay, so maybe it's just because I know you so well and I've, I've <laughs> absorbed so much of your content that you are just a straight shooter. Like you're, you've never been a sugar coater. And Aaron Rodgers was not very good last year. No, he holds he on to the ball too much. He does. Um, tries to rely on his athleticism that is no longer there because yep. father time is is uh, always, always wins. Why do people think that you hate Aaron Rodgers? Because you point out those things. Um, because there are a large segment of the population, especially Packer fans, that don't see that in Aaron Rodgers and think he is beyond reproach and see any criticism of him as criticism of themselves. So that is why. It, wow, that was deep. It was it, and Favre was the same way. It was worse with Favre. There, I mean, it, there's there's hagiography around Aaron Rodgers, but the way people like rooted for Favre was something else. Like I still haven't seen its equal. Oh, yeah. um, and he really was beyond reproach. I, I mean, that would get you punched in some circles <laughs> if you. Uh, I I mean, so I was I was a. That is the devil. How could you trade Favre fan at the time? But to be fair, I was like 16. Yeah, that's fine. So. <laughs> 16. It, it's like, you know, people my age who, who do that. It's like, really? You're kind of old for that. Um, to, to be fair, though, like, I think I think it was it was my Uncle Mike, who's the reason that I'm a Packer fan. He was like, a, like a, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, he was one of those like, they need a safety. What are they going to get later on? But like, he was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um. And so he kind of poisoned the well for Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I immediately didn't like him because my uncle told me I wasn't supposed to like him. Yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, makes sense. That's good. All right. Um, he was he was a smarter football fan than I was at the time. So older generation <clears throat> passing down their wisdom. <laughs> okay, so my third round pick is going to be painfully obvious. Okay. Uh, something I absolutely love about football is video games. Ah, yes. I mean, outside of Madden. So, like, Madden is my brand. R.I.P. Fart McDuty. Uh, <laughs> now we've hit all of them, so um, that's good. I, yes, there you go. I, I shoehorn in Madden into any discussion that I can. Just did it today. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, today in the Acme Packing Company Slack chat, we were talking about the rookie quarterback ratings and how Jordan Love is like mid tier amongst the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, and I that's fine. <laughs> used that to talk about Madden Ultimate Team. So that that wasn't really shoehorned, but yeah, I, t- I talk about Madden a lot. But I mean, uh, Mutant Football League, Mutant League Football, um, the old Madden games where you tried to injure someone on the left side of the field, so then that way the ambulance would come <laughs> run and run over, over half the team <laughs> and injure more people. Because if you injured them on the right, the ambulance wouldn't run anyone over. Like NFL Blitz, literally playing NFL Blitz in an arcade setting is, is a fantastic game. At, yeah, at a at a pizza place. When I was a kid, I, I absolutely love like like these things. Football is a game designed to be played as a video game. Absolutely, it is a it's a violent murder simulator. It's probably with a, better video a, with a game high score than it is a real game in many ways because yes. it heightens the violence and it brings really the strategy to the fore. So uh, yes. with you on that, and I actually agree with you. Uh, football video games are are generally speaking phenomenal. Um, 
baseball games are very much like baseball, more relaxing, laid back, um, or highly simulation. But like football, it either gets re- super deep simulation that you need a very deep understanding of the game to be successful at, or very over the top like arcadey, which is also a great thing. Like with Mutant League and like things like Blitz and Pigskin, um, those are all great games. There's a lot of different takes you can have on it and still have it be a good game. Have Have you ever heard of Blood Bowl? I have not. So Blood Bowl is a it's a PC game. Highly recommend it. It is a fantasy tabletop RPG with a football skin over. It. <laughs> oh, I want that so, so bad. I have I have a, a tabletop baseball game that's like that, and now I want the football. So it's a, it's a turn based tabletop RPG that's roughly football ish. Um, it's very violent. Pieces kill each other. It's it, there's I think three Blood Bowl games. There, it's really good. Just anyone who's listening to this right now who does not want to commit. Go watch Wow Crendor on YouTube play Blood Bowl. He had a he has a Blood Bowl tournament every once in a while with other YouTubers. It's great. The games take forever okay. because it's turn based. The banter is great. It just it's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm describing something, it doesn't sound like it's awesome, but just trust me, it's, it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> Very good. I obviously yeah, go a little games. more old school than you. Like if if you ever also, go to. Like, like, well, let's go old school. Let's talk about Tecmo Super Bowl. Tecmo Super Bowl is a great game. Um, but the the legend of Bo Jackson was cemented because of the virtual Bo Jackson. Yes, absolutely. In, in fact, like, that it really helped Bo Jackson's real life persona a ton. Like, yes, it was very impressive that he played baseball at a high level and football at a high level. He wasn't as good at at um, really either as his reputation <laughs> warrants. He, he was like an athletic phenomenon more than he was a productive so one. W- would you say? That Bo Jackson, the baseball player, is the Jeff George of baseball <laughs> players. A little bit. I mean, there's lots it's of like, like all all power, no touch. Just he was a, impressive highlights. He was a probably good defender. Um, he probably should have been a corner outfielder more than a center, but he had a phenomenal arm too. He's he has some truly impressive throws on his resume, and he's you know he's fast. So um, he wasn't just a one tool guy. Um, but, I mean, the power was the main thing. He didn't make enough contact or take enough walks to sure. be a truly productive baseball player. Um, but, I mean, his his video game uh, persona is is uh, unbelievable. And I know Bo Jackson is aware of it as well. And uh, <laughs> it, it, oh, I know I know a, a fact involving baseball because of Bo Jackson. Okay. Did you know Bo Jackson? Do you know what Bo Jackson is the only athlete to do? Uh, no. The only athlete to play in a Pro Bowl? And an all-star, all-star game. game. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, and Deion Sanders is the only person to be in a World Series and a Super Bowl. Yep. Deion Sanders was a much worse baseball player. <laughs> he, he wasn't actually. Um, <laughs> uh, in terms of career war, they're pretty similar. Um, Deion, okay, I forget. Him. We're talking about statistics, but I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deion was a good think... defensive player, and uh, he was a not a good hitter, but he was so fast that it just allowed him to be valuable so do you think do you think the stories of dion's 40 are true uh probably not literally so but i i'm he's certainly one of the fastest people ever to play yeah i have no doubt about that like he's probably with there with daryl green's numbers in his prime oh wow yeah um so apparently the the story of him showing up in a limo is true um (laughs) so the the urban legend is that that he rolled in a limo to the starting line, ran his <laughs> yeah. 40, and then the limo came and picked him up. At the other side. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the apparent truth is that he did, like, roll into the practice in a 
in a limo. He didn't like just go up to the starting line. And then there were people that hand timed him in the four twos, the mid four twos, like yeah. four two five. I mean, if he ran a four two, yeah, I wouldn't hey. be that surprised. Uh, people do that occasionally when they have good days, and he was, you know, the fastest NFL player of his day. So I wouldn't be that surprised if that was the case. Um, also, I would say football um, video games kind of hold up regardless of era. Um, if you ever go to an old school yeah. arcade and they have Atari football, which has a um, a trackball as the controller and just has X's and O's, <laughs> it plays really well. It is strategically very sound. Uh, uh it, you know it's old it can't represent players as well as you could but it, it works uh, it, you know it works kind of is in that, any format is that like a magnetic vibrating football that... <laughs> not quite that old that piece of garbage that thing does not work the oh yeah oh, by the way uh, as, also reflecting the nfl accurately the worst football game is john elway's quarterback just like john elway is the most oh god it's so bad it's so bad it's awful um there's a fun glitch in it, though, that you can pull a Bo Jackson with the, one of the unnamed drones in that game. So, anyway, I, I, I like your pick. It's a good pick. Video game remember, football. Is I can't great. remember if it was John, if it was John Elway quarterback or if it was Joe Montana football or whatever the hell his was called. Um, but on kickoffs, if you hammered A and B, like especially if you had an NES advantage and you could hit the buttons really fast, yeah. your um, kickoff team went into a flying V and would break every block. And wow. would stop the ball carrier where they caught it. Like it was a guaranteed um, two yard return every single time. And I'm pretty sure it was Joe Montana football. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that glitch, but um... because I had one of those, I had one of those VHSs, the NES tips and tricks. Oh yeah, where there's like some, some nerds in a varsity jacket telling you how to beat Milo's castle. <laughs> <laughs> just so we don't, just so we don't get complaints, it's Milan's secret castle. Mylon Secret Castle. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's, that's it's fine. <laughs> I was born like six years after that game came out. Yes, so. you were. Um, I guess uh, Nintendo Play Action Football is also probably worse than John Elway's football, but it was the best, first four-player football game, so it uh, it wins oh, points yeah. for that. Uh, you could, however, recover every onside kick in the game and win the game without the other team ever possessing the ball. So that's not as <laughs> not as fun. Uh, all right, that's a good one. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll take it home here with. Um, so I, I have t- what I realized in our discussion is I have too many rules, um, rules specific a lot ones. Of rules ones. Yeah. So I, I already did a rules one. So I'm gonna, um, I'm 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 gonna go with. And that's why I didn't do my rules one. You could have stolen a rules one for me or whatever copied. Um, I'm gonna save number five for next time though because that's a good one. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go with um the onside kick and um this is also a plea to bring back the onside kick or something like it. Yeah, they the league was flirting with giving teams a fourth and 15 chance to get the ball back. But one of the best things about football is that you really are never out of it. Um, where, whereas every other major sport, um, that's, let's exclude hockey as a major sport. Cause it's not, Yes, but, uh, because in, in the words of also in the words of mighty ducks three, how long does it take to score a goal? One second. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's not true. So, uh, it takes eight. It's what, in, um, <laughs> in, my, in Mighty Ducks three, Mighty Ducks three, they're down by like six points, yeah. and their coach gets really pissed and throws a puck against the wall and says, "How long does it take to score a goal?" And then you find out that his daughter is handicapped, so you're supposed to feel bad for him after that. But like, okay. only takes a goal. It only takes a second to score. Got it. So in baseball, when you get when it's you get to, about- in baseball, when you get ahead, you you can bring in better pitchers, and it makes it harder to come back. Um, and there's no big way to like to to game the system and come back. Um, in in basketball, 
at the end of the game when you're down, the only chance is to foul, which is, is bad for the game and slows it down, makes it unwatchable, and lets the other team score points. And it, it, football gives you this this like this thing, this chance where it's like, okay, <laughs> if you can do this one thing um, it, it, and get the ball back, you, you get another shot. And, and it's not... You know, it's not like intentionally hurting the other team. It's not, um, you know, have giving it to them and like cheating to stop the clock. It's like, no, no, the, this is a free ball, and if you can figure out a way to get it back, um, y- you can do it. You have a shot, and that's great. Well, was it recently that was like painfully good at onside kicks? Was it the Falcons? I do not I swear know. there was a. There was a there was a game where I think it was is the anybody Saints. good at it right now? I feel like the <laughs> I, I swear it was it it was like within the last couple of years. I'm ninety percent sure it was the Falcons because they were down against the Saints and they did an onside kick which they recovered, but there was some kind of random penalty away from the play, so they had to re-kick it and then they recovered that one too. And they had like a very specific way of doing it, and like it, I swear it was the Falcons within the last couple okay. of years were really really good at. I'm I'm googling this now, but yes, I I completely agree with you that there's this random ass thing that's just pulled out. Or if you're Mike McCarthy, you have chrome plated balls, and you kick off a half, yep, an onside kick, which which are statistically more successful if you do it in a in a non expected time. It works really well. Then Sean Payton steals your thing, and it's more successful. So then people remember it as Sean Payton's thing. Uh, it's a shame. Mike McCarthy did it first. Damn it! But it, it is a it, it is a very weird thing. It is again. Uh, it, I know I did another rules thing, but it's it's this technical thing again where like the ball is free on this play. It's up for everybody. It's just that one team has to put it into play in a certain area, and um, it it just happens to allow the game to be way more exciting. The NFL I think does itself a huge disservice by making it harder to get onside kicks. By punishing, like when it goes out of bounds, you're just dead. Certain penalties, you don't get to try again anymore. And the, the comebacks have become far less frequent because of it. It's not as exciting anymore. Now, when an onside kick happens now, it's kind of like, well, that's not going to work. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, we're all scarred from Bostic, I know. But n- <laughs> since that happened, uh, like people have been burned far less on onside kicks, uh, including the sure. players. So um, <laughs> I, they do need, I think they should bring oh. it back. I, I, I totally agree. Um, so I, I found a great breakdown of it. It was the Falcons. They actually had to recover three onside kicks. It was against the Saints. Um, I have linked you a YouTube video of Packers legend JT O'Sullivan nice. breaking down that game. A place for ribs. Um, if, you, if you could put it in the show notes. Also, to anyone listening, I know I stand this every episode. The QB School, JT O'Sullivan's uh, YouTube channel is great. It's awesome. Having a... Uh, a handsome and well-spoken former pro quarterback talking about football is always good. Yep, agreed with that. They, they do tend to be pretty good analysts for the most part. JT does good. As long work. as they're not tight ends. <laughs> tight oh, ends, man. I just, so like the, the things that I could have said to Jason Witten have just been rolling through my head ever since <laughs> that Zoom call. There's a lot of opportunity there that you missed, but oh well. So, oh, man, like... Oh, he talked about he talked about proving his doubters wrong. <laughs> he was like, he goes, when I had the decision to come back into the game of football, I had all these doubters saying, "You're too old, you're too slow," and and it's like, well, yeah, you had your worst season statistically in your entire career by a hard margin. Also, Maybe what you what you really did was prove your doubters about your broadcasting career correct. Right. 
like like your broadcasting was so bad it was awful. that you had to leave the booth to go be a bad tight end wow yep. and yet your tight end was, was you're you, being a 42 year old tight end who runs and turns like a school bus is somehow still better than being in the booth talking indeed ah <sighs> All right. Should we do our couple of questions we got and get out? Yeah, we of got here? a couple of questions. Yep. Um, I mean, as we got a couple friend of shows, yeah, and friends of show. <laughs> so we got uh, PJ Wessels. They're actually kind of related, but we'll start with PJ's. Um, <laughs> uh, so Pat Mahomes just recently got his his extension, his ten year five hundred million dollar extension. So his question is: the Packers have to sign a ten year deal with a player. Who is your pick? I think there's only one answer. Uh, we probably have the same one. I'm guessing. Okay, you go first. Uh, so I, my, I would say Kenny Clark. Oh no, I got a better answer than Kenny Clark. Okay. Hunter Bradley. Hunter Bradley. <laughs> you win. That is the correct. <laughs> that is absolutely the correct answer, especially since it was not stipulated what we're paying the ten year contract. Yep, it's Hunter Bradley. <laughs> PJ, the answer it no, matters right. Not- so not only not only is it good because it's a low cost position. Yes. Hunter Bradley is young. Yep. How long was Brett Good on the team? Fifteen years? Yeah, something like that. And they even brought him back. <laughs> like so to me, that's the answer. Like like you don't cause cause Mason Crosby's too old. Um, you don't keep a punter that long. So yeah, long snapper. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's a that is the perfect answer. Well done. <laughs> I like how you tried to think of like a like a like a real one. I did. Uh, no, but you, you are like, uh, okay if in the in the spirit of the question, if we had to sign a marquee player for ten years, it's Kenny Clark. <laughs> okay, good. I feel a little bit better now, but honestly, I should have thought of that because that's just that is absolutely <laughs> correct. You you win, you win the day. Matt wins the podcast. <laughs> oh man, well, well done. All right, and last question from Jonathan Deal: um, Is Pat Mahomes' new friend deal? of show? Yep, friend of show. Both guys, friend of shows in baseball too. Um, is Pat Mahomes' new deal the new standard or a one of a kind that we'll never see again? um oh jesus i think i think it depends if it works yeah um there'll definitely be some wait and see it is such a complicated contract um and Mm -hmm. i'm still not sure who really i I do think both sides win on it which makes me think you might see it again um the only thing about it is i do think there is a little bit baked into it to deal with lower revenue next year that that maybe drove drove it more than a little a little bit more than it otherwise would have, but just a little bit. Because um, his his cap his cap hit only like five it's million. Five or something million. Like that. Yeah, it's it's very small. Um, and the other thing is, Pat Mahomes is is I think a very rare commodity in that. Does anybody think five years from now that he's going to be bad? Um, it just seems no. very 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 unlikely. Maybe he'll get hurt. There's stuff built in for that. Maybe you know he suffers some catastrophic injury, but you have to have a player that you're going to be very sure is good for a long time, and they don't come around that often. They really don't. Um, even, oh. even top line quarterbacks, you're usually not sure for a good long time, and when you are sure, you're not sure that long. Like for every Tom Brady that's out there, you got to remember your Carson Palmer's who you know suffer injuries. You get Cam Newton won an MVP award, and you know. What if you gave Cam Cam Newton this deal? Like, not as good. So I guess go flip side of that. Can you think of anyone in recent memory who deserved a ten-year contract? Peyton. Like, like, would you like? Would you 
like after oh yeah Peyton probably a good answer like after 2008 you extend Aaron Rodgers 10 years uh oh boy I probably would have right yeah right like I'm saying like like he was he was very good in 2008 yeah he wasn't like a world beater like Pat Mahomes was that tough call to that when what's the earliest I would have extended Rodgers for 10 years mm-hmm. um 2010 think probably 2010 probably super bowl yeah, yeah. and and after the after the super bowl geez, i would have think, extended think about years. doing that too like because you gotta you gotta be thinking about like was that did flacco win with his awesome postseason after that or before that Flacco was 2011 was that no 2012 what was Jaco- what was jacoby that was that was the broncos were good too weren't they uh yeah it was um I think that was twenty. So we didn't have that lesson yet, because you got to be careful about your your Flacco. Like, January, get, get January, hot. Joe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> geez, that's it's a tough XLVII. Call. So that would have been twenty twelve. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, so there you tough go. call. So, um, I guess I, I don't know. It's a weird contract, um, and I also don't know about like how I feel about the Chiefs front office in terms of sophistication. <laughs> Uh, I think they're pretty good, but I, I mainly credit that team's success to Reed more than anything. Um, sure. Although they did get Pat Mahomes, which is <laughs> nice job. Um, so, well, I mean, I guess if you it, okay. If, so I, I'm going to have a not so hot take. Okay. I think that Bears, the Bears thought that Trubisky had a winning complexion. Mm-hmm. You keep picking up what I'm putting down there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Except Pat Mahomes right. actually got the ten-year deal. But what I no winning complexion. They really like the look of the kid. I, I get what you're saying in terms of why they like Trubisky. I, I get that. I don't get why it's like. That's why I think that they picked Trubisky over Pat Mahomes. Oh, it definitely is, or at least that's part of it. <laughs> so I like I like. Do you do you give the Chiefs credit for drafting Pat Mahomes? Do you give Ted Thompson credit for drafting Aaron Rodgers. You, like, yes, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, you have this amazing talent fall into your lap and you did pull the trigger on him. You get credit for that. I think the, like, did you, I think really the, find the opinions on Mahomes were, um, much more varied. Um, not that they were on Rodgers, but like, um, if they had had Deshaun Watson fall into their lap because of Trubisky, I think that's a different story. Um, sure. whereas Mahomes, I think could have fallen further. He was not a consensus, um, you know, like high first round pick. He should have been obviously, but he wasn't. So I give them, I give them a little more credit. Um, I give a lot God, of credit. I remember a lot of saying that Mahomes was like Brett Favre, me thinking that that was not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. They, they, that I, also, I also see, I see a lot of Favre's game in Watson. Oh yeah, God, I, I here you go. I'm gonna See change that. my third thing to Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun. I love Deshaun Watson too. I'm I'm sad he's stuck on that garbage franchise. Um, I was the worst GM in the game. He's really bad. He's he's so bad. Uh, that's I, that, we I should, haven't talked football in so long, man. Yeah, I know. My, <laughs> my number four is that that Bill O'Brien's not our general manager. That's what I'm like about football <laughs> because he's. I can't believe what he's done to that poor team and. Somebody needs to get this. If this was the NBA, they would be acting to get Deshaun Watson off that team. It, it's it's <laughs> oh yeah, I just Bill O'Brien, man. Like, and, and Bill O'Brien, I think, is a great example of endearing yourself to the NFL fans. Like he was, he was a star on Hard Knocks, so the average fan just remembers him as that funny coach guy. Yep. 
they don't realize that he's ruining a team. <laughs> if he was just a coach, he wouldn't be that bad. He, he's I don't he's not my favorite. He likes running backs too much, but he's okay. But as a as a GM, like you could literally do better with anybody. <laughs> Hire me. Oh, okay, I guess third question yeah. since since we're talking about this. Uh, who can you remember who is a highly successful coach GM not named Bill Belichick? Uh, nobody. Um, Mike for a year. It wasn't. <laughs> wait, Mike was Holmgren the GM in Seattle? Isn't that why he left? He, I believe he was. I could be wrong I about that, know. but if he was, he got them to see. A Super see Bowl. When you say Mike, when you say Mike, I think Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> not Mike Sherman, not was... successful in, the, in either role. Like, like, things, things that come to mind to me are Mike Sherman and Mike Dicka. Was Holmgren actually the GM? Dicka there? I know he wanted control. I don't know if he got control. Um, try Google real quick, but no, I'm not because my phone is terrible. Um, anyway, no, I, there, I mean it never works. For, that's the bottom line. Is it, it's a it's a sucker's bet unless you have a genius like Belichick. And um, you know Belichick has his own organization of people who do personnel work too. Um, he doesn't have the arrogance so problem he, that a Mike lot of Holmgren, other people do. He has his own yeah. arrogance. Uh, Mike Holmgren went, he went to the Seahawks to be vice president and general manager and head coach. There you go. So yeah, Holmgren, successful. Got his team to a Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Should have won it. He was, he was robbed. That was a, was a robbed. Yeah. As we've talked about my friend, John, who has the Seahawks, Super Bowl champion mm-hmm. sweatshirt. Tonight. Oh yeah, from uh, from foreign countries, right? From foreign lands. Yes, from the Steelers game. Uh, his ex-wife's cousin works for the Packers currently, and she used to work for some other team, so she had access to that gear. Yeah, God, yeah, successful. There's Oops. really, there's really not any others. It's a bad organization that does it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just now I'm having these these remembering Mike Ditka trading away his entire draft to move up like three spots to get a running back to get Ricky Williams, and then he goes out to the first press conference wearing a wig fake of fake dreadlocks. dreads. <laughs> um, it, really, an incredible football moment if ever there was one. <laughs> Un, uh, absolutely wow. unbelievable. Mike Ditka, <sighs> not not a smart man. Okay, I'm, my fourth pick is idiot GMs. <laughs> Save it for next time because idiot GMs is a good one because they're fun. I love idiot GMs. I guess, I guess just if we could just like narrow it down, just football idiots, like professional idiots. I love love people who are terrible at their jobs in an entertaining way. Yeah, it's good. It, it, it's super entertaining. It, it's good to have them around to do things so I can tweet my tweet about Make sure you call the bad GMs and offer stupid trades to them because they'll take them sometimes. Bill O'Brien's done it like three times already. Okay, like I've had a couple beers, but I I can firmly say that is literally one of the best football tweets on that cursed website. <laughs> it comes. It, it's like, useful frequently. It's it's my <laughs> it's my drill tweet that people use all the time for various things. So. Oh man. It's if there if you were the drill of football, and that was your drill tweet, I would say that your worst tweets are better than most of his good ones. <laughs> drill, drill is a bad follow. I get a lot of crap for that. I disagree with you. I love drill. Drill's great. 
I love I love drill one out of thirty times. That's fine. That's a that's a perfectly a lot fine of, average. There's a lot of terrible. <laughs> Yeah, of course. The baseball guy thinks one out of thirty is fine. He's been doing it a long time too. Yeah, uh, you know you're gonna have some decline with age as that happens. Look what happened to like dad. Aaron Look what happened to Dad Boner. Like, think about the cliff that fell off of. Oof. Oh God, yeah, rough. Dad Boner. So Dad Boner was a big deal among my friends because he, uh, his that character was supposed to be from Grand from, Rapids, Black Michigan. Yeah. So, is it Grand Blank? It's Grand Blank. It, I, for some reason, it's Grand no, it's Grand oh, well, Blank. that's even better because <laughs> Grand Blank, Grand Blank was my high school's rival. Oh well, so maybe that's why he was. Maybe that's why he was such a big deal. Um, at least to us, makes yeah. a lot of sense. All right, we should wrap up. So. On that, on let's, that bombshell, let's get out. It's late. About- have, have any have anything you want to plug? Doing anything with the the the, the PC with Acme or anything else? Oh no, or weightlifting I, I, so, or. So, um, I've been I've been dropping the band hammer mostly like that's that's been my my APC stuff a lot of a lot of idiots during this climate yep. showing up in the comment section um so I've been too busy banning idiots to uh create to, content to, to create. you've but just been no. protecting content yes uh had to ban one guy on your article I know I know the one patriots fan <laughs> yeah yeah that guy's actually text expand that guy before i had a chance to even get to him <laughs> um so uh yeah i continue to lift uh pinion valley power is going very well um just setting prs man uh got into equipped lifting um up to blood vessel in my eye had some very had had multiple world record equipped lifters tell me that that made me a real lifter well i'm happy for you for that uh, i did see the pictures of matt's eye it was disgusting it's totally healed, by the way. Here, let me zoom in. No, don't. I don't want to look at your eye. I'm okay. saying my eye is completely, it's completely healed. It's, there's no more red. Uh, <laughs> All right. um, yeah, so just me doing heavy shit in my garage and banning idiots on the internet. All right. What, <laughs> who could ask for anything more? Um, I, As previously mentioned at Acme Packing Company, I wrote about why Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are not good structural fits for each other. It is a pro-Devontae Adams piece, and I should say uh, I've actually kind of been ripping Devontae um, before I wrote this for a little bit because I felt he was a little overrated. His DVOA is never that high. Um, I came away with new appreciation for him, and I do think in the right offense he would be one of the most productive players in the NFL, but he does not mesh well with what Aaron does well. So... um, Go take a look at that. It's laid out, I think, pretty pretty well with good backing. It was an entertaining read. And uh, if I have some time tomorrow, I'm writing a Shopping with the Enemy piece because if you've been on Twitter and a Packer fan, you probably have seen the wood carving of Aaron Rodgers' face that's going around, and it cannot escape without comment because goodness gracious. That is actually there's a Frank Zombo. Yeah. Out we're, with we're gonna, the words Aaron Rodgers on the bottom. The, uh, the, the packing company is going to be helpful here in trying to establish who it actually is. So um, <laughs> keep an eye out for that. So, question for you to chew on Yep. in between shows. Uh, Devontae Adams now aired with calf strain Aaron Rodgers. Excellent. Works. I bet that works yes. super well. Yeah. When I'm move. just just a hypothetical hypothetical situation. Aaron Rodgers in the pistol throwing on time with Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. I want all the fans of the show to think about that. And if you made it this far in the show, I want you to at me on Twitter and say calf strain Rodgers 2020. That's... <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Hashtag calf strain Rodgers 2020. Let's go.
perfect. Uh, I'm I'm rooting for it. Somebody needs to Tanya Harding that guy so he gets to play a little bit better. <laughs> All right. We with that we're getting out of here. Have a good evening, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back again soon.